Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This week's episode of the podcast is presented by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well, and you can pick your World Series favorite. And I mean, obviously, ours is the Dodgers, but you can pick that all on Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today, which is betonline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe, which is B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, the promo code is Believe, which is B-L-E-A-V, and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Huge thanks for them presenting this episode. On this week's episode, we, uh, we're going to talk about the recap with the Dodgers as far as the week that just happened, the week that was. Uh, we also have J.P. Hornstra uh, stop by the Canasada. If you don't know who J.P. Hornstra is, he's an MLB reporter for the Southern California News Group. He also wrote a book called The 50 Greatest Dodger Games of All Time. So obviously, slightly biased with the Dodgers, but he covers all of the MLB in Southern California. He's a great dude, great follow. Go follow him on the socials at JP Hornstra. If you haven't heard of him, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but he's a good follow. Anyway, we chat with him for a minute, uh, talk about the upcoming series that are uh, coming into town, and so much more. So without further ado, here is the Bleed Los Podcast. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts, Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And uh, joining us uh, to uh, look over the, the past week for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers is uh, uh, J.P. Hornstra, uh, writer, covers all the uh, the Los Angeles I'm sorry the California based sports teams JP thanks for joining us for a few minutes man thanks for having me on guys I'm excited so the uh, the weekend review looking back at a uh, kind of the week that was for the Dodgers obviously uh, they, they uh, were able to go down to San Diego take care of business but they uh, they had some struggles in Arizona what kind of stood out to you with uh, with the Dodgers and the struggles that they had in Arizona uh, let's get the one good thing out of the way first Walker Bueller First complete game of the season, first complete game shut out by any pitcher this season. And just to see him say, forget the analytics, forget the shortened spring training. I'm finished. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that, JP. It's all good. It, it, it told me that this meeting is being recorded and I had to hit got it. And now I've done that. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, as you were saying, though, about the analytics. Yeah, Bueller. <laughs> I mean, like analytically, it's not the smart thing to do to let your pitcher go nine innings. That's why no teams do it anymore. But Bueller said, forget that. This is my game. I'm finishing it. I'm feeling strong. And he, he went out there and did it. And, and to do that 
at such an early juncture of the season before any other pitcher threw a complete game, that was fun to watch. Vintage Walker Bueller right there. Um, that's about the the end of the good of the week in review uh, with respect to that D-back series. Um, of course, the Padres series was was an emotional high. And I can't help but wonder if, if going into Arizona where you have a middling team at best, where you don't have the emotions of uh, a rivalry uh, between two Southern California teams kind of played into the letdown on the field. Um, the Dodgers have been there and done that you know, ask the leaders in the room, ask Dave Roberts, and I'm sure they'll say, no, no, we, we were focused, we were ready, et cetera. But I just think as human beings, you can't help but get excited more for a series like the one against the Padres in San Diego, where you have more Dodger fans than Padre fans, uh, than you do get excited for a series in Phoenix where more people are interested in what the Suns are doing that night. Um, I'm sorry, that's just how it is. I've seen it time and again, regardless of the talent on the field. So, I think I think coming home from that, you know, the Dodgers have a little something to prove just so that they can get their emotions back up and, and let their talent shine through because that was a pretty rough series other than what Bueller did. Hey, JP. Uh, so, of course, going into this uh, the season, all we heard about was this this great lineup and how it's going to be the greatest lineup in, in the history of baseball. But what I I mean, I'm sure we could talk about that lineup, but I'm more surprised about the starting pitching. Because going into the season, we were all told that the Dodgers didn't have enough starting pitching, but their pitching right now is number one in ERA in, in all of baseball, right? That's right. Uh, the starters are good. The relievers are good. The depth has been good. They haven't really needed to go into the minor leagues really at all. I think Andre Jackson was maybe the first or second guy called up. Um, clevenger has been in and out. There was... A couple guys who went down with injuries at the end of the last homestand, but it just seems like no matter who they plug in, it, it's the right matchup. Whoever is asked to take the ball uh, to start the game gives them a good solid five innings at least. Um, and yeah, there have been some surprises. I, I didn't expect Andrew Heaney to be this version of Andrew Heaney I, when they signed him. I mean, this is a guy who got designated for assignment last year. And, and now you just expect him to be plugged into the rotation with Kershaw and Bueller and Arias. I didn't see it coming together this quickly. And apparently one bullpen session in Colorado was really all it took for that new slider of his to click. And, and that's been, that's been a godsend for his career and, and for the back of that back end of that rotation. Um, we're seeing Tony Gonsolin start to build his stamina up. You know, obviously he's had the talent, but maybe the command hasn't always been there. It's prevented him from going deep into games sometimes, but, um, we've also seen sometimes that he has another gear that he can reach back into and really just focus, command the strike zone and, and be the pitcher that the Dodgers uh, need him to be, uh, which is somebody who can take the ball every fifth day. And, and then Tyler Anderson um, piggybacking Gonsolin and, and filling in for Heaney when, when Heaney got injured. He's been another pitcher who was basically a league average guy. Uh, but had never relieved before. And then for him to just come in here and be comfortable out of the bullpen enough to do what he's done so far, uh, that's been a bit of a surprise too. I mean, just to a man, I couldn't tell you a pitcher who's really underachieved at this point in the season. And I wish I could say the same thing about the hitters. <laughs> uh, Alicia, go ahead. Hi, JP. I'm Alicia. I, hi, Alicia. Uh, hi. I'm the rookie to the Bleed Lows podcast. So uh, nice to meet you. Um, I want to take a few steps backward just a bit. You mentioned, okay, so I assumed, I, I expected the Dodgers to lose one in Arizona 
And I actually thought we might lose one in um, San Diego. Was the loss in Arizona worse than what it was or what was expected? I mean, I, you said that I like what you your answer, like they weren't focused. But is that cause for concern? They, they can't win every game. I mean, the Dodgers are still on pace to win around 100 games, right? Or yeah, they're, they're still in good shape in the standings. I mean, look, they had built up such a margin um, going out on that road trip that they could afford to lose a few games and still only be half a game out of first place, which is where they sit today. Um, and, and really, I think when we talk about focus and, 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 you know, letting your emotions work for you and not against you, I think that I've seen that happen before. I've seen that happen before, specifically with... San Diego and Arizona, like Arizona lost hundred games last year. They were a horrible team. They were not a relevant team in major league baseball, not somebody you worried about seeing in the postseason. Whereas the Padres for most of last season were um, that kind of a team. And, and, you know, who knows, they might be again this season. The Padres are, you know, in a virtual tie with the Dodgers in the standings right now. So that's maybe a series that emotionally, if you're a baseball player, you're, you're gearing up for a little bit. And to be frank, the Dodgers have another one of those coming up because they got the Tigers coming in for three games this weekend. Well, the Tigers are in the American League Central. They're not really a team that's going to be part of any playoff series the Dodgers are going to see this year. And the Giants are. And the Giants are coming in for two games right after that. It's their biggest rival on the planet. Huge, huge playoff series last year. I think the task is still before the Dodgers to see if they can focus to play three games against a subpar opponent. And JP, uh, as you speaking of the Giants, uh, they're the second best team with ERA as far as pitching goes, right behind the Dodgers. the The Giants have you know kind of like last year, quietly still doing the thing. I know it's early, but what can you expect? You know, not to overlook the Tigers by any stretch of the imagination, but obviously Dodger fans are going to be hyper-focused on that Giants series. Uh, what do you kind of expect from that Giants team as they kind of get ready to, to get, get it on with the Dodgers? Uh, I expect a lot of unwritten rules to be broken, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I wrote about this the other day. It's, it's kind of become the Giants' identity that, like, even if they're winning by six runs, they're not afraid to bunt for a hit or steal a base or, or you know, just play, like, every at-bat is their last, um, which is kind of, you know, running afoul of baseball tradition, which Gabe Kapler, the Giants' manager, former Dodgers' farm director, has said he doesn't really care anything for. And I honestly, I think most fans would agree with that, um, how that actually manifests itself on the field. I don't know. We'll see. It, you know, those only come into play when they're not close games. And the Giants and the Dodgers always play close games. So, like, that whole thing about the unwritten rules and the Giants breaking them, I am skeptical that that will even come into play. Uh, I expect to see Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson um, – is a giant now and that's going to be weird to see um if he's indeed healthy enough i know he got a groin injury he's going to get an mri we'll see if he's even healthy enough to play in that series but that would have been a fun thing to see um will be if he's healthy um and you know the giants play a lot like the dodgers guys like farhan zaidi's the general manager alex wood is in the starting rotation they have a they do a lot of things that the dodgers do as far as platooning as far as mixing and matching well with the bullpen, as far as relying on their depth. And it's in some ways, it's like mirror images of each other. But I don't know. You ask me, that just makes the games all that much more fun, fun to watch. 
No, fair. Uh, J.P. Hornstra, MLB reporter for the Southern California News Group, uh, also an author. He ironically wrote a, a book about the 50 greatest Dodger games of all time as we talk about the Dodgers. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. We know you got a heart out. Really appreciate your time, and, uh, and we'll catch you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, J.P. Hey, it's Steve Mason from Mason in Ireland on 710 ESPN and from the Culture Pop Podcast, and you are listening to the Bleed Los Podcast. Well, uh, interesting uh, interesting set of games that, that just occurred here with these last two series. But before we, we dive into that, well, we're going to kind of look ahead. Uh, Juan, you had a chance to, uh, to ask one uh, Julio Diaz a couple questions uh, the other day, and let's just lead it right off with that. What, uh, what did you ask him and, uh, and what did you take away from his answers? Yeah, I was, uh, we were invited as part of a Spanish language press conference that the Dodgers, I think, are going to be doing, are going to try to do at least once a month, right, Babyface? Is that the information that we had? Yes, once a month with a Spanish-speaking player. So Udias was the first one, so I was able to go ahead and chat with him. And the first question I asked him was if it was important for, for him to be able to participate in these Spanish language press conferences, being able to speak to the fans who only speak Spanish, to press members who cover the sport in Spanish, especially since, you know, we're in Los Angeles. And whether you say it's half the stadium or three quarters of the stadium, if you look at that stadium, the majority of that stadium, I believe, are latinos so the fact that julio can now speak in a press conference without having to use a translator uh was my question to him and he acknowledged that he recognizes the support he sees all the mexican fans out in the stadium and he acknowledged that it's important for for him not only him but other players to acknowledge that support he also mentioned to us that because mexico is so close to los angeles that, that is another reason why the, the Dodgers or players should embrace this, this ability to communicate in their own language. And the next question that I followed up with was coming on the heels of Walker Bueller pitching a complete game. I wanted to know if him and Mark Pryor, Dave Roberts, have come out with a plan to, to try to stretch him out. And what Julio had said, the goal is always to go nine innings, to go what Walker Bueller did. But it all depends on how he feels. He also acknowledges it was a shortened spring training. So he wants to be careful. He doesn't want to overdo it. And it, I, the two things that he mentioned that were important was, of course, how he feels, how his arm feels, but also his efficiency. I think Julio gets into trouble if he loses his control. But we saw him the previous game against the, his previous start against the Reds. He went five. And yesterday, uh, or in that series, yeah, Wednesday, against the, the Diamondbacks, we got him six. So I, I think we're starting to see Julio start to stretch out. So I think it was great that he actually was able. And, I, you know, there wasn't any hesitation in him in the press conference. He seemed very, very comfortable answering the questions. So uh, it, it was great that we were able to get to be a part of this, you know, because that's one of the things when you guys listen to this show, you're not going to hear this from other shows, right? Because we have the ability to speak the language. We can speak both languages. So these future press conferences that are coming up, you guys need to make sure you're subscribed to our show. And we're going to give you the lowdown of what these players are saying. 
I know that Alicia has said that this is something that has been very important that she wants to see the Dodgers do. What 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 do you think about the, the Dodgers holding these press conferences for their Spanish speaking players? Well, I'm very grateful. I think it is awesome that you were there and that uh, Julio was all about it. I was going to ask you that, but you answered my question. How was his demeanor? Did he seem engaged and excited? Because personally, I do not think that Urias, Urias gets enough love and attention from the sports media in general. And I'm not putting any blame on the Dodgers nor on the me. I just sometimes wish it was more. Okay. So the fact that they're holding these press conferences is a great step in the right direction. However, I would like to point out that it's still, you are given this information, right? You were given content and you had access and that's awesome. But I would like to ask you how many people were there? How many journalists? And then was any of that shown on English speaking channels? Because when Fernando was, you know, Fernando Mania, you still saw his interviews. Um, I just, I just wish it was more. So let me get back to that. What was, how many people were at the press conference? And do you think this is going to be a, a thing that grows, you know, hopefully? You know, that, I mean, it's an interesting question that you pose because I could not see the actual number of people that were at, at the press conference, but I can tell you this, the number of people that asked him questions was less than 10. Okay. So there might have been more than 10 people that attended that press conference, but less than 10 went ahead and asked the question, which I think is a very interesting point that you bring up, Alicia, because this is their biggest Spanish speaking star on the team. Right. Right. And if you have an opportunity to speak with him and this is the turnout that you get, uh, I mean, what does that say? And look, I, I usually watch MLB Network and I watch Spectrum Sports Net LA. Those are the two things. I don't watch ESPN. I know someone from ES, the ESPN Deportes was there and from Fox Deportes was there. Now, maybe they went ahead and wrote blurbs or they might have shown something on their Spanish language programs. But I did. I didn't. I don't recall seeing anything in English. Babyface, did you even see anything on the Twitters about this, or on any of the social media? No, there was nothing else posted. I mean, we posted about it, and there was. Yeah, I feel we got a, got a lot of good feedback from it. I think uh, a lot of people wanted to hear about it, and they <laughs> they engaged and said this is a good thing. And but I know it was at it was at five o'clock. You know, on a you know, Wednesday night, whatever. Um, and I know a lot of the other reporters were probably at the game, you know, that covered the team. So maybe they couldn't tune in, but pretty much, like I said, it was pretty silent. It really, there was nothing really posted about it anywhere else. Okay. And see, can I just say, as someone who is from that industry, the people that are running these stations, I just think they don't understand. They don't get it. This is an opportunity to cross Oh, like the, it's a win-win if they were to able, if they were able to promote, give us a soundbite, one soundbite, and then people who are Spanglish, who speak Spanish, who are English, but are huge Urias fans will go to that interview, will go to your, I mean, this is the future, right? Streaming. So had they been, they meaning the people who were present and meaning the Dodgers PR who put this together, 
if they made it available to all languages, even though it was catered to Spanish speakers, there are diehard fans out there who, like myself, didn't even know about it. You guys were the ones who told me, thank you. They would go and click. And that's what it's about, right? Clicks. They would go and want to check it out. So please uh, subscribe to Bleed Lows because you, and again, until you told me, Alonso Juan, Babyface, I did not know about Urias giving uh, his own press conference to Spanish speakers. It's, it's just a win-win opportunity. And I wish more stations would pay attention to the largest uh, fan base at the stadium, you know, he Urias is one of the few Mexicans uh, on the team and he is beloved. I mean, count the jerseys, yep. you know, count the dollars. It's, a, it's about money, not necessarily brown. If, if that helps you get to this point, what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, and, and I know something else that's uh, near and dear to your heart, Alicia, is, uh, is the history of the game as a whole. And Clayton Kershaw is about to, uh, to, to do something that he called, quote, pretty cool. And that is uh, be the Dodgers all time uh, strikeouts leader. Uh, talk about how how that is not just necessarily pretty cool. That's that's a thing. That's an accomplishment. That's obviously just going to further pad his his Cooperstown resume. But that's that's a that's a pretty big accomplishment. No, it is a huge accomplishment. And as selfish as I was being a fan and just wanted him to get it the other night, the seven strikeouts that were needed. I'm fine with what Dave Roberts said. You know, yes, we want this win. Yes, we want Kershaw to have that monumental record this evening. But you know what? Let's do it at home. And that is going to be this weekend. I know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. I'm even wearing my straight out of Kershaw shirt because I'm manifesting. I'm willing. <laughs> I am a huge Kershaw fan. And he is just, I, I still call him our ace. I know some people, not mentioning any names, Alonso Juan, who are saying that this weekend's um, matchup with the Tigers is going to be trash because the team is not doing well. But let's get hyped up for Saturday, right? Like this is the people that will will attend. Not only will they witness Kershaw's history, but you get a Kirk Gibson bobblehead as well. I'm just saying, like, it's going to be a big deal. So I, I, I'm counting on him getting it. Uh, the stars are aligned. It's going to happen. And um, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And there better not be any boo birds there. Well, there won't be any boo birds because Juan won't be in the building, but I will say this. (laughs) Kershaw's also really close to becoming the, this, this one still boggles my mind that he's going to be becoming the third on the Dodgers all time wins leaders list behind uh, Dazzy Vance and, uh, and, and one Don Sutton. That's okay. crazy to me that he he's that he's only about to be third. That that's kind of preposterous when you think of it's Clayton Kershaw, the the arguably the best left-hander of this generation and arguably the second best left-hander behind one Sandy Koufax. Um then also he's been in the show for 15 years. But I mean granted all things considered, you know, he's he's got just about everything, you know, the, the three-time Cy Young award winner NL uh, MVP winner, triple crown winner, eight-time All-Star, five-time ERA title winner, gold glove winner. Oh, and he also won a ring in 2020. But I digress. But uh, <laughs> but Juan, you know, f- for you, how, how how do you see that accomplishment? And and in our defense, Alicia, I'll be honest, the Tigers aren't very good. They're, they're <laughs> not expected to be very good. Miggy obviously just got congratulations to Miggy if he's even listening to this podcast. Uh, 3,000 hits. That's 
I think, in my humble opinion, he's probably the last 3,000 hitter that we may see for a very long time. Uh, I, I Off the top of my head, I don't know, man. I, yeah, you know, Babyface and I had this conversation, and I know this is going to piss off everybody. Yeah. I think Machado has a chance. I think he does too. Because if because he, that guy's durable, man. Yeah. He he doesn't miss many games. Nope. And as much as people don't want to give him credit, the guy can hit, dude. The, the guy's a hitter. He can hit. This no, is what he, I was saying. This, he's he's gonna get fifth to fifteen hundred this year, his eleventh yeah. season. So if he duplicates that, he has to play twenty two years to get to three thousand. I think it's gonna you know, uh, if he, is he gonna play twenty two years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I, I'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head who who could be considered like a surefire 3000 guy or close to the only guy maybe is Machado. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like when, when it's all said and done with trout, he's going to be Trout's, one of those trout trout. Isn't even, he's, no. he's below Machado right now. It doesn't yeah. seem, it doesn't look like but trout, trout has missed a lot, a of, lot of games with injury. Yeah. Trout, I think unfortunate for trout and trout's a great guy, obviously arguably the best player on the planet. Like it's not even close. The, the thing with trout's going to be, what if, what if he would have been healthy? What if, you know, all that stuff. But when you kind of sit back and think about it, I can't really think of a guy that's going to maybe be able to, to because that's a milestone now. You know, there, yeah. there was, you know, for a long time, there was guys that were just grinding, doing all that stuff. And when you look at that list, it's just kind of a murderer's row of like, whoa. But realistically speaking, the, the only, I mean, and to your point, Juan, it's Machado, but that's still a big if. Because he's only at 1,500 hits, and he's already been in the show for 11-ish years. Yeah, but think about this, man. You're sitting here telling me that there's a chance that we're not going to see anybody get 3,000 hits. Guess what? I don't think we're going to see anybody else get 300 wins. No, I I don't think so either. You were just talking about how Kershaw could move into being third just in the Dodgers. Right. Kershaw isn't even at 200 wins yet. Right. And we're already talking about whether Kershaw's going to retire, how much longer Kershaw's going to win. I think Kershaw's at what, like what, 160 something? So one, oh, I just lost it. Uh... I, I think it, so. I mean, either way, you're talking, he's going to need more than 100 more wins to even get close to 300. Hey, uh, 185. And, okay. He's at 100. So he needs 115 more wins. I That's mean, hard. if he's exactly, I mean, if he was great and winning 20 games a year, he would have to play for five more seasons. Yeah. Who thinks Kershaw's going to play for five more seasons and win 20 games each year? And apologies to Clayton, 188. He's 188 and 84. That's still an insane record, by the way. But especially with the way baseball is played now, though, yes. it's not like this is the way guys, you know, Sandy Koufax, that era is never going to happen with no. the pitch count and. So I feel like when we say things, blatant statements, like we're never going to see it. Well, yeah, because that's not going, it's not allowed, you know, with MLB messing with the balls and everything and humidors, like that's not, I I don't feel so sad about it because it's not, it's not the, the game is not played the same way. Do you want to know? I I, I want to get it. I want to get into the humidor conversation, but before (laughs) we do that, right. I I just want to say this about Kershaw. So, Kershaw is six strikeouts away uh, on correct yeah. from from breaking the record or tying it. Uh, he would uh, with six, I believe he would tie seven to surpass. So seven is he needs to, to break it. OK, yeah. 
No disrespect to Don Sutton, and I know that a lot of people will take this next comment that I'm going to say as disrespect to Don Sutton. How dare you? You haven't even finished it. I know. But right? I, I just feel that Kershaw should be the all-time strikeout leader for the oh. Dodgers. No, no, and no. maybe it's because I didn't grow up seeing Don Sutton pitch uh, for the Dodgers. Like, to me, you mentioned Don Sutton, and I think of the Angels. Because right. he finished his career with the Angels, and that's that's who I saw Don Sutton. I didn't see him in his heyday. You know, he is a Hall of Famer and all that stuff. But for me, when you think of the greatest pitchers of all time in Dodgers history, it's Koufax and it's Kershaw. So to me, to have the all-time strikeout leader be, it should be either be Koufax or it should be Kershaw. The all-time Dodgers win leader should be either Koufax or Kershaw. No, I agree. I, and I, to be honest, I don't think that's offensive. The way I look at baseball records are they're meant to be broken, right? That's yeah. the whole beauty of, of the game. They're meant to be broken. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, again, the unfortunate thing, though, is like Alicia was saying, the game has changed so much and, and not necessarily in the best of ways, right? Where you're not going to see if you there's very possible that we may not see a 3000 hit guy again for a long time i mean here's something that's preposterous when you think of like hitters like just pure just dudes that put the barrel on the bat you think of guys like joey Votto, you think of guys like freddie freeman you think of guys like paul goldschmidt you know those are those are kind of your your heavy hitter guys how many hits do you think paul goldschmidt has 1300 he's 34 years old how many hits do you think he has alicia I will go thirteen ninety nine. Oh, she prices <laughs> righted me. Oh. She prices righted me. That's so she did, and you know, and she's literally winning on a technicality. He has fifteen hundred and ninety hits. Okay, oh, that's okay. kind of crazy to think about because Paul Goldschmidt is known as what a dude that rakes, and he's only yeah. got fifteen hundred and ninety hits. Another guy that you know, Freddie Freeman, has he's thirty two, and he has seventeen hundred and twenty six hits. So realistically speaking, that means that Freddie Freeman would have to play damn for sure into his 40s to even scrape at it. Like Joey Votto, who's 38 years old, 16 years in the show, dude has just been known to rake, right? Quietly, he's got 2,035 hits. So wow. the, next, the next guy on that list is Cano, yeah. Robinson Cano. And we know, we know Cano's tainted now, but right. he's the closest one. He's at 2,631. And he's also and he, 39. Yeah, he's 39. I mean, he's not going to play another four years, and he's but, tainted. And even at that, Rob, Robbie Cano, all those years with the Yankees, what did he do? Rake. Yeah. And he still only has 2631 as far as hits goes in 9,000 plate appearances. 9,400. mind that we, the sentence only has 29. Like, I know, I know, right? <laughs> right. right? Like, <laughs> but then you think about guys like Trout, for instance. Trout, all things considered, with all those injuries, Trout still has 1,438 hits. Yeah. So it's another guy that, you know, that I kind of think of in that same realm, Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado has 1,380 hits. And that dude played in Colorado where the ball just flies and only has 1,300 hits. So it's kind of crazy to think about, A, how hard it is to get 3,000 hits. And B, the, the, all these dudes that we know, Rick, you know, you think of the, like these names. that were, I mean, these aren't just pedestrian guys that we're talking about. These are in some cases, superstar players, even though Robbie Cano's tainted, Robbie Cano was a superstar with the Yankees and still is a thousand ish. Well, like 900 hits away 
from even that that's the closest that we may see to 3000 hits that's preposterous but also it shows you how good mickey is because mickey's yeah. been at it for a long time yeah. i mean mickey when he won that title i mean he he's been in the show for 20 years he's 39 won that title with the marlins when he was a child i mean he was a child <laughs> in 11,000 plate appearances has 3003 hits that's and he's like one of only three players to have like the home runs and the hits. I forget what the figures is, but I mean, I, when you look at the numbers, I think you do forget how good that guy is. Oh, so that's another reason to go to Dodger Stadium this weekend. Thank is you. That's a yeah. big to watch that guy. And, then, and another guy on that list, Yadi Molina, legend, 19 years in the show, 39 years old, 21, 18 as far as hits goes. Another guy that was a contact hitter, right? You don't really know yeah. Yachty as a power guy. You know, I mean, he moves the guys on the backs. And he's still almost a 1,000 hits away from three. That's insane. That's insane. I feel like Yachty Molina has been playing since all of us were born and still only has that many hits. That's preposterous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had mentioned Nolan Arenado in Colorado, Colorado, who used a humidor. But I don't know how many times on social media I saw people complaining about they have done something to the baseball because guys have looked like they have smashed balls and they've just died on the warning track. So do you think there is something to this? I mean, last year pitchers were complaining that major league baseball did something to the baseball. Now it's the human, the, the humidor is affecting is the humidor affecting offenses in major league baseball. So last year with the ball, we now know what the problem was. MLB switched the ball on these guys and they didn't tell them. So that, that, that's the other kind of caveat that we won't really know what they did to it, right? They've kind of addressed that, and, and, and we're good to go. I, everyone has a human door name, right? Everyone. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're in Colorado. Doesn't matter if you're in Los Angeles. Doesn't matter if you're in San Francisco. Everyone has a human door. And it, it's kind of wild that that's kind of the, the, the out. I mean, realistically speaking, if MLB really wanted to move the needle, bro, let I mean do the juiced ball thing and let him hit bombs. I mean that's right. as the 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 old adage goes: chicks dig the long ball. So why would you want to limit that in any way, shape, or form? That's the part I will never understand. And and but again, MLB has a history of getting in their own damn way when it comes to to doing things. But I I for the life of me, I don't understand why they would tamper with it. The only reason I'm thinking is foreign substances. That's the only the only logical reason, if that makes sense. You're saying that they want to slow down the home runs? To a certain degree, I don't think they want to, but they're, if we know anything about MLB, they get in their own way. So they're. Yeah. uh, Am I correct, guys? I try to look it up, but MLB owns Rawlings. Rawlings makes the baseballs, right? Yes. Okay. So there isn't anybody that's overseeing this or anything. It's not like. Congress is going to call Major League Baseball into, you know, who's making the balls? What's wrong with the balls? But enough players have come out, like you said, and and complained about the balls. I feel like this has been ongoing for a few years, not just last year. Like there's the ball thing has been a thing. And I'm with you. If offense is what, especially when baseball fans, excuse me, sports fans complain about how slow baseball is and yada, yada, would you I would assume that MLB would want more home runs, more offense, more, you know, 
numbers. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why now it's a problem. I, I will uh, it again, <laughs> it, it doesn't, not, but again, we've talked about this plenty of times on here and there's a reason Rob Manford will probably never join us on this podcast. Is, yeah. <laughs> what a shame it is. Is like, why get in your own way? You know what I mean? That's the thing I will never understand it. Like, do you want to get rid of foreign substances? Okay, cool. We can get on board with that. But it's like, I, I, that part, I will never understand for me. What, Juan, what's, what's your, uh, what's your take on the whole bit? I, I just, I, honestly, I, I think maybe major league baseball has kind of gone way to the right to try to correct what happened last year, because the, the people that were complaining last year were the pitchers, right? right? So to appease the pitchers, we're going to go this way and we're going to put them, the balls in the humidors. Now who's complaining is I, yeah, honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't, I haven't heard of any players complain. It's just the fans that are complaining. And that to me is like, look, if you want to look into an excuse, I know that the Arizona diamondback series left a real sour taste in everyone's mouth, but Muncie, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, those are the guys that I hear all the time on, I see on social media getting attacked by fans because they're off to a slow start. So are you telling me the humidor is affecting those three guys? It doesn't seem to be affecting Freddie Freeman. It doesn't seem to be affecting Chris Taylor, and it doesn't seem to be affecting Trey Turner. I, uh, I just think a part of it is it's, it's long spring. Dude's coming back from injuries. Yeah. They don't want to rush it don't want to hurt themselves again, clearly. And they're just playing conservatively. And and that's my guess, right? But here's the scary thing. If they're playing conservatively, holy shit, everything that everyone was saying about this being the best lineup ever is probably true then. Because if they're, if this is them playing conservatively, that's, that's insane. Well, that's what the crazy thing is, right? I mean, they played really, I don't think they've played good all season. They've had moments where the offense looks like it's clicked. But I don't think they've played well all season. That Arizona series, they were super sloppy. The defense, I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I mean, the problem is, okay, you have to have Muncie in that lineup, right? But does Muncie truly have a position? Is he a second baseman? Does he have a third? I mean, is he a third baseman? I wonder if the constant moving positions, if that's affecting him defensively. Gavin Lux, I know I heard some people say the dreaded word yips. Like, does he have the yips? I mean, he's had problems throwing the ball in the minors. Like, this is the kind of stuff that I think is going to come back that will affect you in terms of winning a division. This is the kind of stuff that will come back and bite you in the ass in, in, in the playoffs. The crazy thing is, is of all those guys that I just mentioned, the one with the lowest batting average is the one that I think is the closest to snapping out of it. And that's Muncie. Muncie looks like he's getting close. He's just missing pitches and he has, you know, he's recovering from his elbow. How much longer can you, I heard, I saw this on Twitter. I don't know how many times, how much longer can we go with Justin Turner hitting cleanup? Listen, man, I, again, I, I attribute this to the long spring. Same with the pitching stuff that's happened. It's the long spring. I think they're they're just trying to get into a groove. I know that might be like an apolitical answer that no one wants to hear, but at the same time, it's a long season. You don't want right. to throw your back out. Like, you know, I, I see a lot of people talking trash on Cody. 
oh, he's going too hard and this, that, or the other. Hey, Cody, <laughs> let her rip, bro. Like if- Nas- National League Player of the Week, by the way, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, I mean, it, for me, it's if, if again, if this is them playing conservatively to avoid injury or this, that or the other. Hey, it's a long ass season. Yeah. It's importantly, if they're playing conservatively and still producing like this. Holy shit. And I mean, J.P. Hornstra, who we just talked to, even pointed this out. You know, they, people were saying, oh, well, they don't have pitching. Some of us included that. Oh, the pitching depth is sketchy. I said Andrew Heaney was a project. I apologize to Andrew Heaney because psych, he is not a project. And granted, you know, he he probably has that inflamed shoulder situation from working on all that stuff. But listen, that pitching rotation is for real. And all Andrew Friedman is doing is sitting in a bathrobe somewhere with the cigar lit saying, I told y'all like this team is built to win. And clearly they have the depth. They just called up Andre Jackson, who it appears, if I'm not mistaken, is the first minor league call up that they've had for, for the pitching guys. Like, okay, that's cool with me. And truthfully, they probably, I don't, I wouldn't call it the yips, but they had an intense series in San Diego, had the adrenaline, the high, all that stuff. And they go in lowly Arizona, no disrespect to the eight win on diamondbacks. But I mean, it's kind of a tale of two cities, right? So I think it's unfair with that little bit of a snapshot to say, Hey, they have the yips. Hey, they're starting off slow. But even in that, we talked about this. All four of us did. We expected them to start slow. We didn't expect them to, to have this fast start. Alicia, you see all the stuff on the Twitter. You see all the stuff on the Instagram. How do you take all that criticism? Yeah, we're spoiled. We want them, we, you know, the fans want the Dodgers to win every single game. And I, I can see some fans already crazed, crazed because, you know, uh, Mookie's average, Muncie's average, JT, they're losing their minds. And I'm like, yo, you need to pace yourself. You keep saying it's a long season. It's a long season and we're not going, it is statistically impossible to win every single game. So I like when we get to talk about this stuff because I learned from you gentlemen about what we should be looking for in terms of real causes of concern. I'm I'm so happy for Cody. Um, I called that I called out that Lux would have a great season. So I'm really needing Lux to step up and make me sound like I'm smart, please. Gavin Lux, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, but when you think about it, if if I mean, he started hot, right? Like yeah. he, he had a hot start and what's the thing that happens in baseball? It's all cyclical. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you know, he missed a couple of games because of his back stiffening up. So we don't know if that back is still bothering him. Right. Like he might be playing through this and, and we don't know how much that back is really bothering him. But my concern is in that game two, you know, when they lose five to three, they hit into five double plays. And I know Babyface wanted to blame it on Gonsolin all of a sudden losing his control in that inning. But now I think we have to just, that's who Gonsolin is. I don't think that Gonsolin, who gave you six innings of no-hit ball, that's not the Gonsolin we're going to see. The Gonsolin that we saw in this series, that's who we're, that's who the Gonsolin is. That So, you know, he limited the damage. If it wasn't for, I mean, that air that Lux made, only one run should have scored. So he only gave up two runs in that game, but he got credited with three. 
But, I mean, don't we have to say something about the offense hitting it to five double plays? I mean, they out-hit the Diamondbacks in that game, and they lost. Alicia, do you know what Roger says about Tony Gonsolin? Uh, I don't recall. Probably something mean. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. He's chopping mean. at the bit. He's Come chopping in. at Come the in. bit. Come on. No, I was going to say our friend Rox made a good point. You said he would only give up one good run. Back to what Rox calls it, that one knee trash. Um, wow. was it, it was Will Smith right behind the yeah. plate. He's on oh. one knee and a wild pitch, pass ball, whatever it was, those runners advanced, and then you get the error from Lux. So if that doesn't happen, maybe Gonsolin gets out of that inning. Well, Great that's heart. what I'm saying. I don't think you could yeah. blame Gonsolin for losing yeah. that game. Yeah, they played said. a very sloppy series. Yeah. Now, in Will Smith's defense, I, I'm not going to defend the one knee trash that you're talking about. But if he would have blocked that pitch the way Sosha would have blocked it, I still think that runner advances. No, I, I because honestly, that, that, that pitch, that it took a sharp dive straight into the dirt. What I was about to say is you're, that's a literal damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. situation because of the bite that the ball had. But yes. uh, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, that's not true what Roger says about Tony Gonsolin. What, Tony, what Roger says about Tony Gonsolin is he asks every start, is he going to be Tony Gonsolin today or is he going to be Catman? <laughs> I thought, okay. I also thought he asked, is he a cat or is he a man? He can't be both. Uh, yeah. Same difference. <laughs> yeah. He can, yeah. And he, he needs to be Tony Gonsolin every time he comes out. Yeah. And I feel like uh, uh, on that premise alone, uh, he went to the Will Smith thing, great hardcore analysis, but that was Bush League, sir, because we all know the question that you lead off with. Is if he can, is he going to be- you're a former pitcher. Can you explain how he can look so good for two innings and then he just completely loses it in one inning? Is it the Darren Dreifert effect? Because wow. I, I feel like I've seen this before where he looks great and then all of a sudden, is it just he loses his mechanics because he can't, he loses the strike zone and he goes from going into that inning, I was like, oh, Gonsolin is, is doing all right in terms of his pitch count. And then he pitched 33 pitches in that inning. And that's you a, know, all right, now he's going to be out by the fourth. That's a name I have not heard in a long time, by the way. So well done, sir. Uh, a lot of it, honestly, you know, the, the, a lot of athletes, whether it's baseball, football, whatever, they talk about the psychological component, right? Yeah. Sometimes you just lose trust in your stuff and it's not necessarily your mechanics. But then what you start to do is you get in your own head. It's like when you go golf, right? You know what you have to do. You, you, you can't move your head when you hit the ball because if you move your head, what are you going to do? Shankopotamus. Yeah. Like in, into the water. And so it's sometimes it's just as simple as remembering what you have to do and sticking through your mechanics. So we talked about it the other day with Walker Buehler. Walker Buehler changed his windup up a little bit, right? Did Work he change it again in that Arizona game? Yes. Oh, he did. Okay. So, so again, it's those little things that you and I may not necessarily think about it watching the game, but when you're in the moment, you're working on things just like a golf swing, right? If you've ever swung a golf club, it's not, I mean, it looks easy, right? Until you get up into the tee box and you think everyone is watching you when there's nobody there, it's just you and your boy and a 12 pack of beer and then bam, you shank the ball. So even those little things, they happen to pitchers just as much as they happen to you at your, at your local city golf club doing whatever. So, <laughs> That's you. That is a great explanation. And that is why so many pitchers, probably all pitchers have a routine, right? Yeah, 100%. From the moment they wake up, they need everything to be routine so that their focus can stay 
you know, zeroed in and, and I don't know, you're the pitcher. I, did you have a routine? I should ask. I did. I still do actually. I, I like it, you know, baseball players are, are creatures of habit from the time that they begin routines <laughs> until they probably die. But uh, like, I mean, I put my socks on the same way still to this day. I, oh, uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird, but I mean, you don't really think about it either. Cause it's just second nature. You know what I mean? Like right. Kershaw on his go day has the same breakfast every go day as the same food at the, at the ballpark every day. I've heard him talk about it. He drives the exact same way to the ballpark every single go day. So the, some of the, there's some dudes that that's how they operate. For me, it's, it's random little things. Like even when I go golf, I have to do things a certain way. Otherwise it's going to mess with me and it's going to drive me nuts. But I mean, I've been able to take the competitiveness edge off a little bit, not as, as much as when I played back way back when, but I mean, still, even those little things, they matter. And if he hears Roger talking about, well, is he going to be a cat man today? Or is he going to be a pitcher? Sometimes <laughs> that stuff creeps a tug of your rear head and into whatever. Come and, on, uh, Roger. So, so uh, for the record, we're not going to hit the panic button no. on Muncie, Turner, or Betts. Oh, no. Unless no, no, no. it's June. Right. If it's June and they're still hitting like that, that's when we can officially say, all right, what are we doing? Well, before we wrap, I wanted to to point out one thing. Our, our friend Steve Mason made a made a tweet or wrote a tweet, I guess, because you can't make a tweet. You have to write it uh, <laughs> where he, he's asking more or less or implying uh, if Mookie Betts's contract is not considered a bad contract. First of all, no, like it, it first. It's a long deal. And second of all, you got a World Series out of it. And I mean, you're still in the infancy of the deal. And second of all, my man had bone spurs in his hip like could could you imagine swinging a golf club even if you're just going to golf recreationally with George Lopez like Alicia will be doing with a bone <laughs> spur in your hip that that sounds painful so I don't even yeah no I don't even like my socks to get crumply in my golf shoes it throws me off so I can't imagine a bone spur in my hip yeah. you're right you're right so so I feel like uh, Again, we understand the expectation of Los Angeles, right? It's right. like with the Lakers, championship or bust. That, and I 100% understand that expectation. But there's still a lot of games left, a lot of games left. And I don't think it's time to pen. And now July, if, if we're talking about this in July, okay, now we have a problem. Now, you know, Houston, not the Astros, we have a problem that we have to address. But for the time being, no. Because, I mean, even that, they're still working through injuries, right? I forgot who tweeted it and I'd wanted to give them credit, but I can't remember who it was. They showed all the pitchers that are on the IL and people were like, yo, they have an all-star rotation just on the IL. Yeah. So, so again, it's so early in the season. You have a long spring, you have dudes coming back from surgery, dudes coming back from ailments. It's way too early to, to panic. You know, there's, there's no sense in doing that now. No, not at all. So uh, you want to get into our predictions for next week? Yeah, real, or, quick, uh, real quick. Oh, wait, it's, it's not time. It's not time to panic, but you gotta be. You gotta be winning games like in Arizona. You can't wow. look at the. You can't. You can't look at the schedule and be like, "Oh, this is a game we should win," and just go out there and not win that game. If they're winnable, winnable games, you have to take advantage. Because look what happened last year. Right, the Giants. They were a game behind mm -hmm. the Giants, and what happened during that season? They lost winnable games. So right now, the Giants are on their butts again. You're losing games. They're not on their butts. The Giants are well, ahead. They're ahead. Well, yeah. yeah. So you're losing games in Arizona that you have no reason losing. I don't care if it's April or September. You got to win those games. 
Dang. Roger coming in with the heat, like, with dang, the, the, the no fun police just came <laughs> in and just, right. oh, he's just that? pissed because he lost right. the, 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 the predictions last week. So right. I'm not, I'm not happy about it, but I was right. You were out partying. Three. You were out partying yesterday because you won. You, you knew there were going to be 500 baseball. First of all, I three. predicted three and three, because what did I tell you? They were going to lose a game in Arizona that they had no business losing. I didn't expect them to lose two games in Arizona that they had no business losing. But this is what I'm saying. you got to look at these games with your eyes to not your heart, baby face. Of course, I want the Dodgers (laughs) to win every game. But at the same time, I can't ignore the fact that these guys are struggling. Yes, for there's one inning where they explode and they score five runs, but then they go like through stretches where they go, they get sent down nine in a row. How many times did you hear Joe Davis just be like, the Dodgers haven't gotten a hit since the third or the fourth inning? You know, and that's the thing. That's why I was harping when you guys were calling me a wet towel in the beginning when I said, hey, pump the brakes on this. This is the greatest lineup we've ever seen. Because when was the last time that everything went as it should have gone? Yeah, I can't even think of a time. I mean, if we're being 100% honest. Yeah. We'll talk, though. It's, before we... it's a long. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a long. It's a long... I mean, again, we have but to. Just give me my point because I'm on the board and I'm leading one to nothing. Yes. This season. So that's, what really, that's why Babyface is so pissed right, right well, now. The other reason he's pissed is he thought that there was a four game set in here and that the Dodgers <laughs> were going to get a four game sweep. But here we are. So, I mean, it's, I mean, realistically speaking, it's early, right? So this is kind of what we we predicted. It was going to start slow. Let's not forget that. Did you not say that one? I said it. I said it. And I I was told I was a Debbie Downer. Why, 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 and all that stuff. I said, this is the reason why I don't think they're going to, exactly what Babyface said is the reason why I didn't think they were going to win the division. Because they're going to get off to that slow start. They're going to lose games that they shouldn't be losing. And now that they've changed the playoff format, they're not going to gas themselves at the end of the season like they did last year trying to catch the Giants. They're just going to be like, hey, you know what? We're good with our third seed. We're good with our fourth seed. Because no one, if the Dodgers are healthy and the lineup is hitting the way it's hitting by the end of the season, who's going to want to play those guys in a playoff series? Well, let's also not forget, Dave Roberts said that this team's going to win the World Series and you could take it to the bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where the morale is in the club. I'll buy right? that for a dollar. There you go. So, <laughs> and it's a and Robocop it, reference for our listeners there. That so Robocop came out when it was this thing called VHS, and you would have to <laughs> rewind them in a, a video. Bro, the eighties were the. You're just jealous because you missed out on the eighties. The eighties was all, fantastic. I was born Cocaine's in the 80s, a hell of a drug, man. And I lived for four years <laughs> in the 80s, but I did not get to uh, live up the illicit activities that you did in the 80s. So my bad for being uh, old. Young people are buying up anything old now. They're listening to Walkmans and, and well, vinyl's been around, but they're getting rotary phones. And so I'm sure a lot of younger people know what VHS is. I do, we I got do, the uh, cardboard in the back, man. Right. <laughs> egg rolls. It's awesome. So. I used to, uh, uh, what I do miss about rotary phones is when you'd slap it and then you'd, uh, you'd grab yeah. the uh, handheld. This is him. Like, I miss that. 
No, but, no, I'll tell you this. If, if somebody was trying to get a hold of me, all they had to do was just take the phone off the hook and then nobody knew where to find me. So. But that's not a thing anymore, Juan, because the digital age, your carbon footprint, they will find you one way that or the is, other. That is <laughs> so looking ahead, uh, the Dodgers have a three game set with the Tigers uh, that begins on uh, Friday. And as Alicia alluded to it, Clayton Kershaw is go days on Saturday. Also, Kurt Gibson bobblehead night. Uh, for you young folks that don't know who Kirk Gibson is, please Google him because he's he's a legend. Uh, he was huge in the eighties, huge. And then, uh, then <laughs> from there, they uh, they have a uh, interestingly enough, by the way, I I don't understand why they did it this way, uh, a two game series with the Giants uh, that begins on uh, on Tuesday. That I don't understand why they did it that way, but whatever. Well, I just work here, um, and uh, and that that's going to be a fun series. We talked about it with J.P. Hernstra. Uh, you know, they're the second uh, in MLB for ERA right behind the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. So uh, let's just dive into it real quick as we wrap it up. Juan, you got your point. So you lead off first. What are your predictions for this? Uh, since I control the, bo- the board, uh, it's just five games this week. Is that, am I correct? You are correct. All right. I'm going to go with the Dodgers going three and two. Well, and, and let me backtrack one thing. The reason that we're, we'll, we'll do five is because uh, they, yes, they began a series with the Cubs on Friday, but it doesn't count because we're going to do a show for them. Yeah. So anyway. So I, I got the Dodgers going three and two. Three and two. Alicia? Yeah, I like three and two, but I don't want to agree with him. Like, I don't want to. Damn. <laughs> Dang, she's taking it personal. No, I want to beat you. I don't want to. Wow. Like... It didn't take <laughs> how many episodes in for her to start crapping on me? Wow. No, no. Yeah. I guess this is what we call chemistry, right? I, 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 I do think three and two is ve- is the most possible. I'm just saying strategically, I wanted to price his right you and maybe go four and one just to win. But yeah, I'm going to stick with three and two. I'm going to go four and one just to price his right one. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling a little petty right now, but that's because hey. I've had a long day. That Literally, that's, that's all it is. I've had a very long day, so I'm going four one. Roger, I already know what it is. It's six. It's six. Six and oh. Six, six and oh. Right? He's chomping at the bit, but he doesn't want to say it. Yeah. Should we go five and oh? There it is. No. Uh, well, are, you, are you locking that in? I'll go four and one. Four and one. Wow. Okay. So so two four and ones, two, uh, two three and twos. Uh, let me ask you this, Juan. Yes. Uh, who are the twos against? So I think they will drop one in, in Detroit to Detroit. Oh, okay. Okay. And I think they're going to split with the, the, the Gigantes. Okay. And Alicia, for you, who, who do they drop the, uh, the two to? Same. I, it's again, it's really, it's a long season. We always, the Dodgers will lose games that they're supposed to win. So one against Detroit and split the hated ones. So I think they're going to lose the Sunday game to the Tigers. That's that's a the that Bueller game. You think that's a? See, I had them losing the Tyler Anderson game. You think Bueller's going to lose to Detroit? I do, and let me tell you why. Day games. If you notice, the day games have been the struggle for the Dodgers. So that's where I think that's where I think they uh, they drop the ball right there is uh, is the day game because the rest of them are night games except uh, against the. Uh, the the Uper Tigers uh, there on uh, on Sunday May first, uh, but on that note, we will wrap this episode uh, uh, wrap up this episode of the podcast. Wait, you, didn't, uh, you didn't ask me where which game. Oh, oh yeah, I should probably. <laughs> which one? Which one is it, Roger? 
It'll be one of the Giants games if Gonsolin or Whoa, Gonsolin's pitching the Tuesday. Yeah, game. Well, there it yeah, is. One, yeah, it's one of those games probably gonna be a loss. <laughs> so you can pin it now. Stick a pin in it. Uh, is Tony gonna be a say with me, Juan? Is he a gonna pitcher? be a, a man or a cat? Or a cat. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, the Dodgers are not gonna lose Wednesday because it's Star Wars night. No, well, Babyface has him losing the Tuesday night game. That's the yeah. game that Gonsolin's gonna pitch. Julio is pitching on Star Wars night. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, and, <laughs> no, and I, I just find it interesting that that's the, uh, the, the one, if you will. Well, I, I'm saving this for the end because I'll be there on Wednesday. And I oh. know that if he would have known I was going to be there on Wednesday, Jeez. he would have picked that the game that I was going to is the game that they're going to lose. Oh, now you see, now you tell me now, <laughs> now, now we're probably in trouble. You know what he refers to it as insider trading because now there that you just told him you yeah. are the jinx. He, for those of you that don't know, if you if you just started listening to this, uh, uh, Roger is convinced with all of his might that everything that is on God's green earth points to Juan is a jinx. And anytime that he's in the even though we went to the game together and the yeah. Dodgers beat it's the Reds, because I counterbalanced you, uh, <laughs> I counterbalanced your jinxness that night. See, and and I'm trying. You know what? I was trying to rack my brain about this the other night. When we went to that game where, yeah, where we uh, went to the Giants game, which was yeah. the only game they won in that series, in that the series, Dodgers. Yeah. All and three of us were there. That was a special occasion where everything just aligned perfectly. Oh, okay, all, okay. all three of us were in attendance and probably Alicia might have even been there for all we know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? I will be there on Wednesday. Oh, so, so yeah. I will, so I will buy okay, you a okay, michelada and will the universe. Counterbalance. Counterbalance. Yeah. <laughs> Except the reason it's a counterbalance is because Roger won't be there, and that's why the stars have aligned, and it will the pendulum <laughs> will realign itself with Mercury and retrograde. I assume, but uh, but whatever. I I just work here. I don't even know astrology. I I apparently I'm I don't even know what my sign is. I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, on that note, we'll wrap up this this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for following, subscribing, and uh, and all that stuff. If you stumbled across this podcast and you're not subscribed. Please subscribe. Follow us on the socials. Alicia Del Valle, Juan Ramirez, Babyface Gimmick in the Sky. That's not his social. He doesn't have one, but he should make one. That's called at Babyface Gimmick in the Sky. And huge thanks to our partners at Bet Online for presenting this episode of the Bleed Lose podcast. Again, they continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs. Check them out, betonline.ag, or if you have a smartphone, you can check them out in your app store for whatever device you have. It's super easy to get started. Head to the website today. Use our promo code, which is Believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Huge thanks to Ben Online again for presenting this week's episode of the podcast. Then, when on that note, we'll go ahead and call it a wrap. Go Dodgers. Stay safe, and we'll catch you down the road. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.